On this episode of Healthier Workplaces, we'll hear about three IH stories. What I love about industrial hygiene and what really helped keep me anchored in the profession, especially with my personality, was the spontaneity. I think it spoke to a lot of the things that made me feel I wanted to go in to be a physician, which was to help people, um, to help people be healthier, to help treat their illnesses. And even though I decided that that wasn't really the right fit for me, um, this other opportunity also, also really offered me that chance to make a difference in people's lives. People come to work healthy and safe. Making sure it's, it's, it's equivalent, it's more, it's even more equal that people leave in that manner, even healthier or the same manner that they walk through those doors. So it was an interesting story for me. It's, it's very unique and it's very, uh, it's personal. Welcome to the first episode of Healthier Workplaces, a program dedicated to highlighting the efforts of industry professionals who protect our workers and their communities from occupational and environmental hazards. I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine, and your host for this new program from AIHA. Our Healthier Workplaces show will come to you twice every month. Each episode will cover a variety of timely and informative topics about industrial hygiene and environmental health and safety issues as we speak with professionals from the various sectors of the industry. For the initial installment of Healthier Workplaces, I had a chance to meet with three of these professionals to discuss their early IH stories. When we come back, we'll hear from Denise Deeds, Sabina Colligan, and Vishal Nathu about their respective career paths and how they ended up in industrial hygiene. Stay with us. Sixth edition of the Noise Manual is available at the AIHA University Bookstore. This edition contains new chapters on impulse noise, ototoxicants, fit testing, and community exposure. Noise is an omnipresent hazard for industrial hygienists and OEHS practitioners. Find the right information with this valuable resource for noise prevention and more in your workplace and communities. Update your noise knowledge today. Available in print and digital formats. Visit AIHA.org slash noise for a free preview. When I graduated from college with a degree in chemistry, um, I have to be honest, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a career. Uh, originally, I'd planned to go into medicine, and then I decided that wasn't really for me. And so uh, I taught for a couple of years. I taught chemistry. Um, and then I happened to see an advertisement for Westinghouse looking for a person with a background in chemistry to train in something called industrial hygiene. And I had no idea what it was. But I thought, why not? You know, so I applied, me and 500 other people, and uh, I was very fortunate to be selected um, for the position and was sent to Pittsburgh to get training with our corporate industrial hygiene staff and, um, and was really encouraged to just kind of, you know, 
grow this and make this my career. And one of the things I found most useful during those years was the fact that I was encouraged by my boss and my peers to join a local section. So we had a local section that covered Western New York and we met, I was working in Buffalo, New York, and we met in Rochester. So it was about an hour and a half drive. The people from Syracuse would drive to Rochester. We we met in the snow belt section <laughs> of New, upstate New York. Um, but I really met some wonderful people who mentored me and really encouraged me in my career. Um, so I had a had a really interesting job because we made, uh, it was a huge plant next to the airport in Buffalo. We made uh, motors and controls and, um, and I got to learn everything about how stuff was made and learned because I understood the process and I could understand the chemistry that was going on and did a lot of sampling. It was really a great introduction to, to industrial hygiene. So I'm very fortunate with that. And when, then when I left Buffalo, I went to work for General Electric and that was in Schenectady, New York. And I worked there for, I don't think, five more years or so um, working in their industrial hygiene uh, group where we we actually had a physician as our uh, as our um, you know the director of the department and then we had our own laboratory and that plant was enormous and had all kinds of interesting operations so we had uh, radiological hazards because there was a large linear accelerator where they did uh, testing of various uh, components that were going into nuclear power plants. We had a wire mill and we had, um, you know, just big manufacturing and small manufacturing and research and development. It was, again, a, a really great opportunity to, to learn the field through the that experience of working in such a, an interesting place with, uh, again, a, a lot of really top-notch professionals and I, I learned a lot during that time um interesting that you know your your initial uh thoughts you know for uh, career post-college was you know medical medical or getting into medicine mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's a common theme I've actually heard with some of the other uh you know uh, guests that we've interviewed for the program um so th that's a fairly large paradigm shift is it not or, or is it I mean it, it, coming yeah, with a chemistry I, background I, you know and mm -hmm. you're going one direction and this is a Pretty yeah, good yeah, I, I agree. And yet I think it spoke to a lot of the things that made me feel I wanted to go in to be a physician, which was to help people, um, to help people be healthier, to help treat their illnesses. And even though I decided that that wasn't really the right fit for me, um, this other opportunity also also really offered me that chance to make a difference in people's lives and to protect people in this case in, in the workplace but you know in, industrial hygiene today has grown to where we are concerned about more than just the workers but we're, we're also are thinking about the environment uh, we, we think about you know the public and the safety of the public and their exposure to chemicals chemical products and chemicals from um, other kinds of manufactured products that they use so it's even grown broader. But I, I think that's probably, and I find that amongst um, my peer industrial hygienists, young and old, older, um, or, or should we say more mature, um, that there's often this kind of a shared desire to really help people and make a difference in people's lives. It's what attracts us to this field where we can really make a difference. Yeah, and that seems to be a common thread, which I think is really honorable. You know, I'm I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that, um, and 
again, I, it, what you're doing is you're on the front line, I think, which is really, um, it, it's super important. You know, obviously, uh, you know, injuries happen or, you know, long-term exposures happen, which relate, you know, will eventually end up being a medical, you know, problem for a potential person in, in a space. And uh, it, it seems like you're coming at it from the the uh, the preventative, you know, being on the front end of that and uh, trying to avoid that from happening, you know, which it's is cr critically important. Yeah, that's exactly true. So it actually is an interesting thing, way of looking at it that I went from wanting to like fix people who were broken, but to keep them from getting broken in the first place, particularly, you know, in the workplace setting where people are exposed to all kinds of hazards, physical hazards and chemical hazards. And, and so that was something that really appealed to me. And it's something that's really appealed to me as, as my, in my, as my career has gone on. After uh, my son was born, I, my husband and I, who's also an industrial hygienist, um, decided to start a consulting business. And, and cause that would fit in frankly better with our, you know, kind of life and raising two kids. Um, and also because of just where we happened to live and there weren't a lot of opportunities for, for jobs at the time and consulting seemed like a good fit. And that's been really um, interesting because I've gotten exposed to many, many more types of industries and, and been involved with a, a lot of different kinds of companies to help them design systems and to put procedures in place to protect um, their workers. And so I went from having an impact on, you know, a plant or maybe a portion of, a, of facilities that were run by General Electric that I worked for at the time to really being able to, to work with people um, across the Northeast um, and even in other parts of the country. So it's been really very exciting there. Another thing I was going to mention that I think is is interesting because I've taken sort of a non-traditional turn in in my career, really starting in the 1980s, uh, because of my interest in chemistry and my background in chemistry, and also the my passion for believing that people need to understand about what they're being exposed to in the workplace in terms of of chemical hazards, and also um, helping companies to design safer products, design safer chemicals um, and processes to be used to uh, to hopefully eliminate or reduce the, the risk of injury and illness in their workers. And so I've become really focused on hazard communication um, from, you know, basically the late 1980s and, until today, where we still in, in the company that uh, I founded and that I still work for, um, we do a lot of work uh, on, in the area of hazard communication, which, you know, for a lot of industrial hygienists, they consider that to be sort of non-traditional. But I would say in response to that, that really, if, if we as industrial hygienists don't know the chemicals that are the workers are exposed to in our workplaces, um, then we can't really protect them. And so making sure accurate information about the chemicals that workers are exposed to is really important. And also, I think it's really important too for us all to consider um, the work that needs to be done to design safer workplaces. And all of us in industrial hygiene are involved in that. But there, there's a lot of component of that, of thinking about the, the chemicals that people are, are working with. And can we redesign processes or just reformulate chemicals to make them where they still can do the job? They're still effective, but they're safer for the environment. They're safer for workers. They're safer for the public. 
Well, I mean, it seems like it would be challenging at times dealing with the SDSs that maybe you get from a manufacturer. You know, I, I know a lot of times components aren't necessarily disclosed for, forthwith, you know, you mm -hmm. know, based on proprietary secrets or, you know, use, using that type of thing. So at, at times, I mean, it, it seems like some SDSs really aren't that, you know, all that revealing. I mean, and right. it, so, is, so is that a challenge for you? I guess that's, you deal with that yeah. a lot, right? It is a challenge. And, and I think it's a challenge for those of us who, those of us who are users of safety data sheets and those of the, us who are producers of safety data sheets. And I've, I've seen a, a movement over the last 30 years toward more transparency, but that isn't always the case. And, and the other challenge that we have is that um, there's an enormous difference in the quality of information that's provided by chemical manufacturers. I, I think those who who employ uh, people who have good training and, and knowledge and um, experience um, to do a, a really good quality job. Um, they produce very valuable documents with, with a lot of great information that's useful to the industrial hygienists, but also, of course, to workers. But there's unfortunately a big portion of the people out there that are selling chemicals that, that either don't care to do the kind of job that they should, or in many cases, probably don't know. And so that's been a kind of passion of mine too, working with um, AIHA and the Society for Chemical Hazard Communication, which is another professional association that I'm very active in, to develop a registry program to um, certify people, well, we call them registered, but um, the people who produce these documents, who write safety data sheets and do labels. And, and I was very involved in that process along with um, and some other wonderful people that I've worked with that are both at AIHA and some at SCHC. And now we have a very robust program to do that, which will encourage improvement in hazard communication because the training and the um, the knowledge of the individuals doing this work are improved by having to demonstrate their skill and therefore they carry a credential which then allows the chemical manufacturers to know that they're hiring qualified people whether they're consultants or, or whether they're going to be people who work inside the company. So I think that's really been something I've been very very proud of. We call those steps you know recognition and uh, evaluation and control. And the control part's the most fun because that's where you really make the big impact in people's lives. You can decide that a chemical formulation needs to have a dangerous chemical taken out and then that makes that product safe to work with and people won't be uh, won't uh, suffer an adverse health effect or you could design an engineering control like a ventilation system or improve the air quality in a building but all of those things in the end um, make that person's life better makes their them more likely to go home from work healthy and safe. And that's what my goal is. And that's my job. Both of my degrees are actually in occupational safety okay. or occupational safety and health. The Air Force decided that I was a great fit for industrial hygiene. And it was probably the best fate that I could have had because what I wanted to do, which is what a lot of people want to do, is become a doctor. <laughs> I wanted to help people. I had a great background in science. So I joined the Air Force because they would pay for me to go do that, pay for my education. And instead, they said, go into industrial hygiene. This is the Air Force's need for you. And that was initially, I said, no, absolutely not. I'm not doing this. I'm going to be a doctor. 
But as I continued in my practice, I got to do really cool things. Like I had a group of over 300 people that were exposed to this lead compound that was used in a different process from a different group in the Air Force. And we were able to identify it downstream and what the adverse health effects could be. If you know about lead, you know, lead can um, build up in the blood. It causes cancer. And I was like, wow, I'm behind the scenes. I get to do these things. There's over 300 people plus at this point that had no clue that we made that change because we simply looked at a process and did our due diligence. But those are people now that have lessened their risk of getting cancer from the work that I was able to do with me and my team. And that's just one story. So multiples of those built the reward system up. I felt great about it and decided I'm just going to stay here because I get to protect people and I prevent them from getting to the doctor, which is even cooler. Yeah, well, I mean, it must be it must be fantastic to be able to you know, know that you had a direct impact. You know, something where, you know, you did some actionable stuff, you and your team in that case, in that particular instance. And and in the end, you know, you've actually you probably have really um, alleviated what would have been a severe workplace uh, safety issue you know, for, for all those people. Absolutely. If you could imagine someone that signs up to protect our country and for 20 years they work with this something mm-hmm. and this compound, this component, this um, chemical constituent, and they think that there is someone behind the scenes doing what they're supposed to do so that they do their job to get these planes out and to do the really incredible work that they signed up for. And then later on, 20 years after that, they're suffering, they have cancer, their families are suffering. That's really, really difficult. And that's not the way these systems are designed to be. The systems are designed for people to be able to do fulfilling work, lead fulfilling lives, retire, and continue to lead fulfilling lives. And as an industrial hygienist, I'm very proud to be one of those people that is a part of the system to ensure that people are able to lead those fulfilling lives and not see themselves or their family members suffer from illnesses and or injuries long-term. Yeah, it was not this incredible epiphany. I think when I made the decision and someone called me out actually, because I said, I am not staying in this field. I will be a doctor. And then I said, you know, I'm going to continue pursuing education and stay in the industrial hygiene field. And the person called me out and said, well, that's not what you said before. But what I realized is that my cup was filled. I didn't need to check the dot, make my mom super proud by becoming the first doctor in the family. Um, And I didn't need to do it in order to protect people. Um, And to help people and to have a big impact on their lives, because exactly what I was doing now and I continue to do, it does all of the same. I prevent, as a matter of fact, in the military, we were a part of a group called preventative medicine. And that was really helpful for me because we worked with the doctors and the public health groups and the different um, operational leaders 
to prevent people from getting to the doctor, to prevent them from having these short-term or long-term health effects. In today's shifting work environment, it can be tough to schedule in a half or full day professional development course, or PDC, not to mention the time needed to travel to and from the classroom. AIHA University is excited to offer new virtual options for some of our more popular courses that are essential to your growth as an OEHS professional. The benefits of a virtual PDC are many. Consider no travel is required. Learning can come directly to you at your home or office. Industry experts deliver live demonstrations via up-to-date video conference technology, a full audio and video experience. You'll experience the same group activities, practice exercises, and breakout sessions as you would in person. Miss something or want to review a particular point? Full access to the course recording is provided post-event. Virtual PDCs are eligible for three and a half to seven contact hours towards your certification maintenance. Your budget will thank you. No need to worry about travel or accommodation expenses. You only need the time and space to focus. AIHA's virtual PDCs are happening soon. Select your course today at bit.ly slash fallpdcs. We'll see you online soon. You know, you're on the environmental side of medicine effectively, right? And that's something that's, I think, often overlooked, I mean, by the medical community. You know, the medical community treats patients, you know, with medical diagnoses, but they don't really see the environments that that those individuals spend a lot of their time in home or at work. Um, and, you know, so you're on the, on that environmental side where, quite frankly, that's instead of treating symptoms that result from exposures, you're, you know, helping eliminate those exposures and those th those risks that, you know, that lead to medical outcomes that maybe aren't favorable. Absolutely. Not everyone knows this, but there are specific programs written into our federal regulations where doctors are supposed to look at um, conditions of the workforce before they qualify someone to do work. Okay. Industrial hygienists get to go into the workplace, identify those and put them in a program and write them out for the doctors so that they can understand what to look for. And what's really cool is um, some of the emergency responses that I've had to had the opportunity to be a part of. We were actually looking for signs and symptoms and sending that over to the doctor. So if you know there's every time there's a big issue that happens, a plant explosion, a big fire, where there's a community exposure, there's an uptick in the emergency rooms. Well, industrial hygienists, as a part of the um, incident command system or the emergency operations center, we get to look at what the chemicals are, what the exposures were potentially, and identify what signs and symptoms the health teams are looking for mm -hmm. to determine what, you know, 
was someone impacted? What are some of those short-term, long-term effects? How do we track these folks? Um, and it they rely on us because they may not know. They probably don't know even the resources to get into that. And so it, I mean, we just have so much that we get to do and in so many varieties as well. Yeah, it seems super powerful. I mean, and I, I could see how that would be equally as gratifying as a medical career. And you don't have to deal with the blood. So that, like you mentioned, that's that's not, a, <laughs> you know, I, I get that. Your path obviously started the military. You you did your, you did your, uh, your six-year stint there, um, decided that you like this. So, you know, now fast forward, how, how do we get from there to here on the timeline? Because you have your own business now. You went you went from coming from military, right? You know, being, you know, so it was being in a pretty structured environment, uh, you know, in a, in a large team to creating your own entity and uh, becoming an entrepreneur. Yes. Um, so, you know, a lot changed in that time. I did a lot of work in corporate America and I found some other strengths that I have within the health and safety field. We have to ask for budgets. We need money and we need everyone in the team to interact with the occupational environmental health systems in order to protect people. And I found out I'm actually really good at creating those systems, coaching individuals at all levels of the organization, um, creating just better, creating management skills or that soft skills training in a way that people can understand. So that with the fact that I have what I call my superpower of industrial hygiene, that skill set of protecting people and really looking ahead to anticipate what could go wrong and then creating systems to control it from or control the adverse um, outcome. So I really liked it and I enjoyed doing it so much so that I've wanted to do it with more people more often. And it has given me the opportunity to work with Fortune 100 and 200 companies, helping them with their systems, creating strategies around making sure people in the workplace are protected, but then also our occupational environmental health and safety professionals are protected as well, and that they get the investments that allow them to really innovate and move our profession and our programs forward. And I say all of that because there are so many options. If I didn't do this, I could work in environmental, I could work in sustainability, I could be working on policy. My entire career was just fun in the Air Force. It was great in, it was great getting out of the Air Force, coming into corporate America, incorporating some of those leadership skills into the industrial hygiene profession, um, and then eventually starting my own business. So when I talk about the flexibility, the variety, there's so many opportunities within the field um, to really pave your own way and fill your cup however that looks. What I truly feel is that we have the opportunity to bring more people into the field to do industrial hygiene work and to have that same fulfilling career and allow them the opportunity to create their own destiny with the work that they do. So I actually joined industrial hygiene uh, by mistake. Um, and back then, I, did, I hated the word industrial hygiene. I still do. Uh, I was attracted to it because it was called occupational health. And uh, uh, you know, long story short, I took, a, I took an intro level class to, to public health 
learned about different sorts of medicines, learned about prevention. And then the next day I was like, okay, this is interesting. And then the next day I learned about like industrial medicine. So like, you know, workplace um, health, manufacturing settings, which I'm obsessed with manufacturing, how things are made. And then the very next day I learned even more granularities. And then the next semester I just changed my major from biology to public health. Uh, it was it was quick within what, 16 weeks as a semester, I think. Within 16 weeks, I knew this is what I wanted to do. Many of you know your colleagues in the industry that, that I've spoken with, you know, start you know had a one vision of what their career path was yeah. going to be, and then it really radically changed. So you're yeah. not alone there. So it was. Um, I wanted to be a physician. I wanted to be a physician. Uh, I remember when I learned about occupational health, and I learned about ergonomics. I learned about biomechanics, and it hit me in my head. When I was a kid, I remember some of my uncles, um, they used to work in a transmission plant. One uncle in particular, he would not want to play ball with me certain days. He would say, hey, you know, my shoulders are hurting, my, my, you know, my elbows are hurting. And it took me, I don't know, 20 years to realize what, why he was hurting. Um, based on my, my experience with, I started my career with automotive manufacturing, making cars for a living. And ever since, that lecture, that one lecture in the fall of the 2013, I was like, wait, you know, my uncle was was doing repetitive work uh, with awkward postures and excessive force, uh, making transmissions for vehicles. And 20 years ago, you know, ergonomics was a thing, but we really didn't know much about it. And, and what we know now is based off of, you know, team members like himself that have reported things and processes have gotten better since then. So. That was, it was interesting for me to, to realize, you know, 20 years later, like, okay, there's an entire field dedicated to making sure people go home. People come to work healthy and safe, but making sure it's, it's, it's equivalent. It's more, it's even more equal that people leave in that manner, even healthier or the same manner that they walk through those doors. So it was an interesting story for me. It's, it's very unique and it's very, uh, it's personal. And it's, you know, one thing I have been seeing consistently with, with people I've spoke with, you know, from the industrial hygiene community and the environmental health and safety community is it seems like there, there, there is a passion behind the work. It's not just a, you know, it's not just a job. It seems to be a job that actually has a significant meaning for all of you. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, personally for me, you know, in my current role, I really get to, there's a lot of freedom. And I really get to listen to the customer who's the team member, the associate. And when I go visit my sites, uh, I solicit feedback. In fact, uh, at our sites, we solicit feedback as leadership. There's boards that you can write on. Uh, it's the first thing I do when I go to the site is first, I tell the station lead, hey, I'm at your site. Second of all, hey, um, don't mind me. I'm just visiting your site. I'm here for X, Y, Z. And then I go straight to the boards and I solicit, I solicit that feedback. So everything I do in my career, I take personally uh, because what we do as professionals touches an individual life. And if you can solve an in individual life, chances are the, the people who are working line side with those team members and associates, you're going to touch their lives. So for me, um, every person matters instead of just a population, right? So, you know, for me, um, graduated high school, 2012, got into college. I never stopped. The last 10 years, I have not stopped. It's been, I, I have 10 years of education. Um, after uh, you know, after high school, I have a decade worth of education post high school. So for me, fall of 12, got into college, May of 
May of uh, spring of 16, I graduated undergrad. Two weeks later, I started my master's program. Now, during my master's program, I worked full time. In fact, I was actually a graduate assistant for health promotion at Eastern Kentucky University, where I managed a team that 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 were um, health educators and health promoters uh, at Campus Rec. While I was doing that, that was paying for my school. And on top of that, I was working in automotive manufacturing at, at uh, one of the largest manufacturers in the world uh, in Georgetown, Kentucky. And then after I graduated, I had a very tough decision to make. What am I doing? Am I going to continue here? Or am I going to take one more step forward? And, you know, I was just hungry. So I said, I looked at my age. I looked at my time. I said, you know, I think I should do it. It's a, it's a six to t it's a six to nine year commitment at the most. Uh, and I got right in two weeks after I graduated with my master's, I jumped right into my PhD. In fact, I actually finished my PhD much earlier than expected. I finished it four years. Uh, I just didn't waste any time. And then interestingly, during my PhD, I got pretty bored. Uh, coursework has, has been no issue to me. Uh, I've always excelled in the classroom. Uh, and I was like, hey, I, I'm free. Uh, I, have a good, I have a good social life. I have a good personal life. I think I could add on some work. So then I started working for, for an aerospace and defense company. So I was with them for three and a half years. And then I finally left um, that company. Right around the time I was getting ready to graduate, and I finally joined uh, what I like to call a home, which is Amazon. My age-wise, I'm not a, I'm not afraid to admit my age. I'm only 28 years old, um, but I got into leadership when I was 22. So uh, I jumped right in. It was very awkward for me uh, to learn leadership at 22. At 22, you know, you really, you know, you're fresh out of college. You really don't know what you're going to do. Hey, am I going to use this degree? Am I not? What am I doing? And then. Um, when you start working, uh, you know, other senior leaders, they see you, they invest in you. You know, I was in leadership development programs pretty much my whole life. Um, and then they say, hey, uh, I have a next opportunity for you. Are you interested? And you never say no to opportunity. You always take that. And then I found myself managing people older than me, um, sometimes twice my age, sometimes three times my age. And uh, I learned a lot. That's when I learned a lot about different cultures, uh, the way that people think, the way that there's generational gaps, how different generations think, um, how you can come together, how you can be inclusive and how you can collaborate and, and how you can be efficient and productive. Right. So I got thrown into a lot when I was young, but it's totally worth it. And, and again, I'm, I'm here where I'm at in life because of those previous experiences. So. It was just a unique story, I would say. It's, yeah, it sounds like you've had like a really uh, almost, I'm not going to say fast track, but kind of fast track, um, you know, for what, you know, you've moved through it, but you, yeah. you move through with purpose, obviously, because you. Yeah, you, you know, you, you got to give things up, Bob. I'm not going to lie. You, I had to give things up. So yeah, I had to choose between, you know, do I want to have a little fun in the present or do I want to give that up, that one chance to have fun? to work on myself in hopes that my future can be what I see myself being, right? So I'm pretty competitive. It's always been me versus me. Uh, mm. I'm better than the guy seven years ago and uh, the guy seven years from now is gonna be better than what I am today. So it's always never ending for me. It's, it's, a, it's a mental game for me. Um, you know, even if I do a good job, how can I do it better? It's a cultural thing. That's just how my culture is too, right? So we, we are always hungry. We just don't, we don't settle. So even if you can be Albert Einstein, it's not good enough. Or what can you do to be better? 
but you, it seems like you're 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 enjoying what you're doing because you look. Oh, you know, I love it! You, it's you a just blast. Got, you just you just flew across the country to do. You know, <laughs> you're doing the interview. You just get you just get off a, a flight across across the U.S. You know, get to your hotel, and here here we are doing a live interview right now. Yeah. Um, and you look really happy about it. Most people in that it. circumstance on a Sunday would have a different demeanor. Yeah. I think. No, no, no. It, I, I'm blessed. It, it, I really, it's a blessing. It really is awesome. Uh, AIHA in particular, uh, I'm sure some of the AIHA team members will tell you if they email, I, I pick up. Uh, the domain at AIHA is is flagged as a VIP, so it ends up in a VIP inbox for me. So I always respond back. Whatever they need, I'm there. Uh, AIHA is pretty important to me in, in my life, in my career. Um, it's made me. Uh, aside from my mentors, um, AIHA has, has made me. Uh, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at without AIHA. Um, financially, they've supported me throughout the years. Um, they've given me their time. They've given me networking opportunities, opportunities to develop myself, things like that you you, you can't forget. No, no matter where I end up in life, you can't forget, right? So I told them, you know, I would give back uh, time. Give, you know, give me a little time. I'll give you time and in the future, um, I, owe, I owe the donors. Uh, I, I'm going to be a donor because uh, I want to make sure that the next generation feels the same thing I felt. And from day one, the IHA was very open, and I loved it. You know, I don't think any other I'm, – I'm a part of other organizations too. Other, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say any names, but other, other health and safety orgs too. Uh, just no one competes with the IHA. That's, that's the home for me. Industrial health, occupational medicine is it, just a – it's just a unique career that's so attractive. You know, I could have easily chose a career in medicine. I could have chose a career in law or finance. And my mentors would have only, and speaking on personal experience, because some of my closest friends have pursued careers in these, in these aspects. And their mentors only take them, you know, 25% of the way. Tell them what to do. My mentors show me the way. They're with me right next to me. In fact, uh, I've only been in three companies. Amazon is, like I said, I think it's going to be my last, hopefully it's my last stretch to home. My last two companies, I've hired my mentors professionally to come back in and train and develop my people. So no other place can do that. I mean, if I'm a physician, what am I going to do? Bring in my resident, uh, you know, bring in, bring in my, my, you know, whoever's higher than the resident. No, you're practicing medicine. If I'm a lawyer or an attorney, what am I going to do? bring my professor into my law case? No. If I'm an IH, if I'm in occupational medicine, if I need advice, I'll call my old professor and say, doctor, you know, doctor, whoever, what do you think about this situation? We have a team member that's complaining of this. The process looks like this. Our exposure data says that, you know, they're exposed to, you know, seven parts per million of XYZ. Uh, and we don't do job rotation here. What do you think? Uh, I, I can't find any toxicological data, um, but I think that there might be a synergistic effect here. Have, have you read anything? Oh, yeah, you know, I actually read a paper. Uh, let, me, let me send you this. Oh, yeah, ACGH doesn't have this, but you should look into this. You should look into pharma. Pharma makes their own OELs. Look into that. No other career can say that. Three different IH stories from this week's guests, but all with a common thread. Professionals who have dedicated their careers to improving workplaces. As Denise Deeds put it, her goal is to help make people be able to go home from their jobs every day, healthy and safe. Words to live by. So that's our show for this week. 
Next up, we'll be discussing IH Journeys into Leadership with our guests, Lucinette Alvarado, Courtney Tinner, and AIHA's Larry Sloan. Thanks again for watching. Until next time, I'm Bob Krell. Stay healthy.